0: Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, family. How are we doing? We okay? Good, glad you guys are here this morning. The faithful, the ones that that come through, the thick and the thin, the early people, the people that got up like Jesus did early in the morning to pray and so... Glad you are here this morning on this incredible, incredible uh, weekend. I, I do want to make sure we take a minute, really, just to think, man. We, I think these, these holidays like this go past over and over really quickly, and we don't even think uh, to, to continue to give honor for those who lost their lives, really doing, uh, fighting for the very thing we're doing here this morning. And so, as a, as a grateful believer in Jesus, I'm so thankful for those, and maybe you're a family member of those, but so grateful that I don't worry. Uh, that, we, that we live in a country with an oppressive government, that we don't get to do what we want to do today. And so I'm so thankful for, uh, for those uh, who did that. Uh, uh, glad that you are here today. Man, it's going to be an incredible day. We will continue uh, to celebrate uh, today, uh, all day. Um, man, let me make sure you guys uh, know about a couple things that are coming up that I want to make sure you know. So Wednesday night is this meal packing event that's going to be incredible. I need you. I think there's like 65 of y'all are signed up. It's all right, we're about halfway. Uh, So the rest of you haven't signed up. Get signed up, 5.30 here, we will feed you. And really what we'll do is we'll have, uh, we'll divide up uh, teenagers probably in the garage. We'll have adults and smaller kiddos if you have them that are working with you. And literally, it's just kind of like an assembly line, man. We'll have tables set up where literally you'll pack these meals and we'll put them on a pallet. And the next day, literally Thursday, a big semi comes and picks those up and those get shipped to Haiti. But it'll be a great opportunity, man. Come be a part of that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, love for you to, uh, to be a part of, uh, of that. Uh, man, it's kind of the first time we've done kind of a local, yet kind of far away mission kind of project uh, I, that I can remember the last several years. So uh, looking forward to it. Uh, love for you to be here once again uh, for that. And just remember, that is the programming of the night. So if you have like a seven-year-old, like, I'm going to drop them off. No. No, that's not, not that night. Not that night, we're not. You come on in with them and be with them and, and pack those five and under, there is childcare. If you're like, ah, my kiddo is probably too small. That's okay, we got childcare for five and under. Well, do you have your Bibles with you today? So if you, if you don't, there's a few that are, that are dispersed among the seats. But uh, man, it is unbelievably important. In fact, so important. Why don't you repeat this after me? All scripture is God-breathed and is useful in teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. So that's 2 Timothy three sixteen. So I believe that with everything in me. I believe that the word of God has never changed. Like it's the same today, regardless of what the culture says, we're not gonna change, we're not gonna manipulate what the word of God says. And here's what I believe. I believe I will say nothing profound today, uh, but we will read from the word of God. And I'm certain that if you allow it, the word of God changes our lives. And so my prayer is that we leave this place we leave this place different, man, just because we come into contact with the Word of God. And you have that opportunity to do that every single day. Well, if you haven't been here, we are in this series in the book of Philippians. And so just a little history for you to make sure you, you're up to speed. So remember, this book, this letter was written from the by the Apostle Paul, but he's writing it from Prison, And so you may think about the Apostle Paul, a big character in the New Testament. You learn a lot about him. You may think of him as a, as a missionary, which I think is accurate, but he's also a church planter. So think about him just going from these metropolitan areas, planting these churches. And so this is the, the first church that he planted, kind of what we would say is Europe area today. This church, when he wrote this letter, has probably been up and running approximately about 12 different, for, for about 12 years now. So probably around 62 A.D., uh, so he's writing this letter, and what's interesting about this letter, again, he's not really correcting a lot they're doing wrong. Like he's really encouraging them, telling how much he loves them, warning them of all these things. Like I think it's a good picture of a church that you and I we can look at and say, "Man, that's that's kind of where we want to be." Like that's what we want to be. It's men and women who love Jesus, who are aspiring to be like Jesus. And I think we could we could fall right in line. If you don't know anything about Philippians, you know it's full of coffee cup verses. Man, there's so many verses in Philippians you see on T-shirts and coffee cups, and so uh, it's an incredible book. I want to continue to, to beat this over our heads, though. The biggest key in this book, though four little chapters. Christ is mentioned 36 different times. It is all about Christ. So there are so many different stories. Like you look at different stories in the Bible, but make no mistake, there's one story here. All of these stories, if it be Old Testament or even what the Apostle Paul is telling us, it's always pointing to the cross. Like that's what it's for. It's pointing to Jesus. So let's, let's get to work here in Philippians chapter three. Uh, we will pick up in verse one. Uh, We'll make a ways today, but we'll we'll do it slowly. It says this, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Remember, he'd already sent Epaphroditus back to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Here comes some warning. Look out for dogs. Look out for those evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision who worship by spirit of God and glory in Christ and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason. So the belief system is we don't, we don't trust in the things that we do, though he's about to make a case that he could if he needed to, right? So he's saying, though myself, I have reason for confidence in the flesh. In other words, I'm awesome is what he's saying. So if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, well, I have more actually. Circumcised on the eighth day and of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, Blameless, But whatever gain I had, all the accolades you may say that I am, how great that I am, I count it all as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake. I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a high righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Because on the outside, of looking at him, he, he, he may look righteous. He's keeping the law really well. But the which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his suffering, becoming like him even in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the so Paul, again, make sure you remember, Paul is writing this, he's back, he's in prison, writing this church that he planted. And as we get here into chapter three, like I just love chapter three because it starts using kind of this athletic language, like these kind of sports terms, like he's speaking of achieving a goal. He talks about a lot. He's talking about pressing toward the prize. Like it's, it's, it's almost like he's telling us our life is kind of like some sort of a race and if that be the case i don't know about you but i think it would be safe to say we all want to run that race well is that fair like i think if this is a race of life like i want to get the rules and i want to run this race to the best of my ability and so paul actually gives us some insight in how he does that and the first thing he teaches us number 1 is to understand what matters we have to understand what matters so before Paul followed Jesus. He was deeply religious, actually, a Pharisee. He he was a zealot for his faith. We also know, if you know much about the New Testament, Acts, where he was actually in charge of persecuting and killing Christians. Like he was there present in Acts 7 when they stoned kind of the first martyr, Stephen. Like he was there gathering up all the coats. Like y'all can swing a little better if you give me a coat. You You can really open up, right? He's a part of all of that. But his heart, actually, if you you learn more about him, I think was to protect what he believed was actually the true religion. See, he kept all the Old Testament commandments. He was devout in his faith. He kept all of the 613 Old Testament laws. He was the best of the best. And it actually says, like he names all those things. Like if you're gonna put me a resume together, like even pre-Christ, like his resume, if you don't understand the gospel, it looks pretty good. Like you look at all the things that he had, done but but Paul was living a works based religion which is not the gospel at all that's what separates the gospel from every other religion on planet earth it's not a works based religion after he encounters Jesus he realized that it's really not about what you do but it's about who you worship that we're not saved or we're not justified by the actions but by our faith he was the best of the best and what i love is he says that's all worthless Like that's all worthless. Like he has this resume to present to the world. Like I've done all these. I got my checklist of all these, read my Bible twice. I did all these things. And he said, apart from Christ, apart from the grace of God, like that is all worthless. Does that mean that we don't do things for God? No, 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 no. It just means that our actions will follow our faith. So all the action, I think I want those accolades. I want my resume to be strong too, but I don't want my resume to drive my relationship with Christ. I want my relationship with Christ to build my resume because out of love for Christ, I begin doing all these things. And I just think if we have a true relationship with Jesus, we will always be living for him. You'll just want to, you'll have a desire to, I'm not saying sin's not there. I'm not saying temptation's not there, but ultimately you'll have this desire to follow after him. Not out of obligation. I signed up for this thing and when I was camp. Like I gotta do it. No, out of love. Like you love Jesus. So therefore you live your life in such a way. I love how Peter Cazaro writes in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spiritually. He writes this, he says, but work for God that is not nourished, by a deep interior life with God, will be contaminated by these things. So so, a work, so work for God, doing all these things for God. If it's not nourished, if it's not really strengthened or built up by, by a life with God, he says it will be contaminated by other things such as ego, power, needing approval of others, and buying into the wrong ideas of success and the mistaken belief that we can't fail. When we work for God because of these things, like just to do these things, like I just think that the gospel often falls off center in our own lives. And I think that's why the apostle Paul, if you'll just look at the New Testament, he reminds believers of the gospel over and over. I think it's a natural tendency to begin, even though I, I've been saved, man, I've been saved for a long time. And I know, and I know the answer. I know I'm saved by faith, but I, I don't mean to, but I just begin to kilter off and I begin starting to think that I actually earned this thing. And I don't, I would never tell you that. Like, I don't think that I deserve what I have. But I think if we're not careful, we just start living that way because, because we turn our, this relationship into this religion and we start to think about all the things that I have to do right to, quote, please him. Listen, he died for you. He is pleased with you. Another great example of this, I think, is Martha and Mary. You, you probably know this story. They're, they're sisters hosting Jesus in their home. Let's look at it. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She's just doing all kinds of stuff. That she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Like, I'm doing all this work. She's just chilling right there. Like, what's what's the problem? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and you're troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. I tried this with Julie just yesterday, which we was cleaning the house and she asked me for help. She asked me, I said I'm being with the Lord. Lady, I'm being with the Lord, man. I picked what was better didn't work. It didn't work. So I I joined in. Here's the point, right? Here's the point. Especially if you walk with the Lord for a long time, I think this really should hit home for you. So many times, like we want to do all these things for Jesus and it comes at the expense of actually being with Jesus. Like we do all these things that we feel like are the right thing to do. And I'm not anti-morality. I think we ought to do the right thing, but not at the expense of actually being with Jesus. See, Mar- Martha was doing things for Jesus. Mary She was simply with Jesus. She was just with Jesus. Everything we do for Jesus should come from an overflowing of being with Jesus. So I said, today, man, we come in here, we spend time with the Lord. This week ought to look away, the outflow of being with Jesus ought to be, look a whole lot different this week. And so the problem is many of us, myself included, man, we find so much value in doing for others. And on the surface, I don't know that that's that wrong. Like, I, I do want to do good things for other people. I want to make people happy. There's this element in us. But the problem is, when we do that, I think sometimes as a believer, that filters into our relationship with the Lord. We think we have to do things to gain his approval, to get his blessing, to impress him. And listen, that could sound really weird if you don't understand the gospel. But, but just think about it like this. If you could do these things to impress your God, If you could do these things to gain approval from your God, like there's no real need for the cross. Like if I could just earn my way, there's really no reason for him to go die that miserable death on a cross for you and I. But he did everything. I fall in love with him and these things just come natural. He's just saying here, I just want you. I I just want you. The other stuff, it'll take care of itself when I actually have you. Let's keep going. Verse 12 says this, not that I've already obtained this. It's, it's interesting that the Apostle Paul is saying these things. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I, I just want to say this. I, I don't think that the Lord sits in heaven and ranks us. Like, I don't, I don't think that. So that's not my theology. But if he did, I just think Paul ranks in front of me. Like, I just think he ranks in front of me the sacrifice that he's done. And we see him saying that I haven't already obtained this. I'm not perfect, like I'm not there, but but I press on. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. That's why I do it, because he's made me his. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of upward call of Christ in Christ, God in Christ Jesus. Like he wants to keep going. Like he wants to keep pressing on toward the goal. You you think about Billy Graham. What did he pass away at 150? I mean, that guy was old, man. He died. Here's what I'm positive you ask anybody, let's name a preacher, name an evangelist. Billy Graham's in the top two or three you're going to name. The the, the, the impact he had on this earth. I'm just positive. I never talked to Billy, but I'm just almost positive. If I sat down with him before he passed and I said, are you where you want to be, Mr. Graham? Pastor, are you there? No, not even close. I'm on my way though. I just know that's what, we never just arrive and we just get to stop. Like it's progressive. Like I hope today I'm much more man of God than I was yesterday. And I hope in a year from now, I can stand here full confident and say, I'm closer to the Lord than I was a year ago. We must understand what actually matters. But not only that, we got to keep pressing forward. We have to keep pressing forward. So, so life is full of distractions. You know this. Life is full of distractions. There are good distractions and there are bad distractions, right? But they're still distractions. And sometimes they can get us off course. A couple of weeks ago, my boys were playing in a basketball game and smaller gym, not a big sideline. So I was sitting really close to the bench, actually. And so during halftime, uh, we were up 15 or 20 points at halftime. And the coach says to the boys, uh, he, he's such a good coach, man. He just gets so fired up, man. He was fired up and he says, boys, now it's time to step on their throats. <laughs> and so listen, listen. It's like, if, you, if, you're, not, if you're not a sports guy, like, you thought you want your kid to step on whose throat? What, we're stepping on throats now? Like, you're like, what is going on? But <laughs> listen, what he meant was, you're on the right track here. Like, keep pressing on the gas. Don't you let up. Like, we came here with a goal in mind. Like, we wanted to win, right? So why would you let up? I think the Apostle Paul, he's probably not going to say step on the throats, but he's going to say keep pressing forward. Don't stop. Don't stop at successes you have. Don't stop when you have the failures. Just keep pressing forward. Keep pressing forward. He's telling us, meant to become more and more like Jesus, you've got to keep pressing forward. Do not get distracted. As followers of Jesus, being just like him is the goal, right? Will we ever get there? Man, there's some people here in, in Philippi that were teaching that spiritual perfection was actually possible in this life. Paul disagrees. Perfection won't happen this side of eternity, but that doesn't mean we stop. It doesn't mean that we don't continue to press on toward that goal. Last week, we talked about living in others' first life and how that does feel impossible. Like, did I just wake up and I think about others? I don't think about myself at all. Is that possible? I don't know if it's possible, but it doesn't mean we're not going to try. It doesn't mean that I'm not called to, to try to live in that life. It doesn't mean that we give into the ways of this world, right? We press forward, becoming more and more like Jesus, knowing that one day, one day he is coming and we will be made fully like him and spend eternity with him, let me give you just two keys to kind of pressing forward. So if the call is to press forward, here's how you do it. The first one will be stop clinging on to the past. I think many of us sometimes are, we're driven by our past. You have to stop holding. You can't press forward if you're constantly looking backwards. So, so let go of it and you have to move on. And both past successes and failures can actually prevent you from moving on. So so I think even if you think about failure, some of you are driven, some of us were driven by failure. Like we look back that like, man, this, this failure in my life and you're like plagued and you don't have the ability to actually move on. I actually think successes are the same. Success is a great teacher, both good and bad. Like if you just think about the success you once had, you Uncle Rico, that thing, like you just think about how great it was and you never press on because you're king, you, you won the Bible bowl, like you won all those things, you never press forward over and over as Christ is calling us. We have to stop looking backwards because it will capture you. It will cripple you at times. You ever seen a monkey trap? I don't know if those things are real, but I see cartoons of them all the time where, where a monkey sticks his hand in a, a hollowed out coconut to get the rice right? And and tries to get his hand out and he can't get his hand out. Why? Because he's holding on to the rice. He thinks what he has in his hand is more important than his actual hand and he won't let go. I think sometimes we, even our past, we think it's that important that we won't let go. And it's, so, so answer that question today. Like what's holding you back? Like what is it in your life that actually holds you back from pressing forward? Is it a sin? Is there a sin issue in your life that just keeps coming up? Because here's the problem, man. Christians, especially church folk, man. Church people have been in the the church for a long time. We get real good at sinning. Most church folks don't do the big sins, right? We don't do it. We're not out there doing crazy stuff. We're not doing drugs in a parking lot. That's the the, the church folks. But the problem is with Christians, man, we'll take a sin and we'll make it a pet. Like literally, like no one knows about this. No one's going to find out. And you'll, you'll justify it. It's not hurting anyone. Like it just bothered me. Like it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt my family. It doesn't hurt our church, and we'll turn that thing into a pet, and like it doesn't hurt anymore. Like literally, if you start thinking about the sins that, you, that used to like keep you up at night, if they're not keeping you up at night anymore, there's a problem. Like if it's became like your friend, like that's a real problem. You understand what sins here for to kill you, to kill you. The, the scriptures say that it's here to, to still kill and to destroy you. Just because you make it a pet, it can turn on you at any second. So is it a sin? Is it an insecurity? Is it an actual relationship that you have that you need to turn loose to? I'm not talking about a spouse, but you have a relationship that you need to release because it's not allowing you to press forward. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's shame that someone put on you 50 years ago and you can't shake it and it's stopping you from moving forward. Is it just a simple mistake? You've got to let go of the past to move forward. Another way to move forward is to run your own race. It's difficult, man. We're such a comparison a group of people, man. Don't worry about other people's race. Focus on your own. Comparison is the thief of your joy and your purpose. You might remember in the summer of 2016 at the Rio Olympics. You might remember the the men's 200 butterfly final provided us with this vivid example. You can see here on the screen uh, an incredible example, right, of what means to run your own race. I don't know if you remember that, but that's uh, what's it name, Klaus from I think South South, South Africa's where he's from. He beat him four years before he. See, looking at looking, he actually doesn't make the medal stand. He's winning the entire race and he begins looking at Michael Phelps at his race. And he gets, beat. I think it's just a cool picture. It's an incredible picture just to understand. You have to stay in your own lane. What God's called you to do is not what God's called me to do. And what God's called your, your spouse maybe to do is maybe different. Stay in your own lane and focus on the prize that God has called you to do. Look at Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet Then in all your ways you will be sure Do not swerve to the right, don't swerve to the left Turn your foot away from evil Listen, your, your pace may be slower Your destination may be different You may not be as far along as you want to be But take a break, take a praise break And just thank God you're not where you used to be Like the only reason you should probably ever look backwards, I think Is to remind yourself of how far that you've come Keep pressing on, keep moving forward. I know a guy right now that from the outside looking in, he can't get his stuff together. I've known him for a long time. If you didn't know him at all, if you don't know what's going on in his life, it looks like he just can't seem to get his act together. His journey with Christ, he's a believer, has been all over the map. But actually, you may not see it, but right now he's actually pressing forward. But the enemy for so long wanted to use guilt and shame to keep him out of church, to keep him away from relationship with him. But the Bible says there's no now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, N- none. Like, don't we, don't, we, don't we wish that our spiritual lives always looked up and to the right? Like I guess I want my whole life to be. I want it to be up and to the right. Like, I, I just wish that my, my spiritual life looked just like this. And then, I don't know, maybe heaven's here and we just get there and like, we just go home. Like, that's what I would love to tell you my spiritual life is like it. That. That's what I long for it to be like. But really, mine's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. It's, it's all over the map. No, I think we're still going up. That's the goal. If if, listen, if you're not growing in Christ year after year, something's wrong. Like, that should be a red flag. You've got idolatry in your life. Something's going on. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. But I'm not judging you. I'm just saying something's wrong. That's a red flag. But it doesn't always look like this. Sometimes it looks like this, and you come back. But, oh, then I'm back above But. Like, it's, it's just over and over. Like, don't you kind of wish your spiritual life, your spiritual growth pattern was like a super highway? Just flying, but oftentimes it's like a bumpy country road. Like it's a bunch that's washboarded really badly, right? Family, the, the prize, the prize will not be on this side of eternity. So embrace the progress over perfection, direction over destination. Let's keep working here. Verse 15 says, let those of us Who are mature, think this way. And if it's in anything you think otherwise, God reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is in their belly and their glory in their shame with the minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship, here it is, is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. And then finally, teacher, we, must, we must learn to live for eternity. Like that's the way we gotta live. We, got, we start, we change our perspective. Like we're living today for eternity. I mentioned this last week briefly. But he's reminding us again, if it doesn't have eternal significance, it doesn't matter. So he's, I think he's, he's repeating himself here. And he's saying our citizenship, it's in heaven. Like that's where you actually belong. Like you, those of you, son and daughter of the living God, your citizenship, your passport says heaven. Like that's the home country. That's where you are from. So sometimes when we hear that, we think, Yeah. I'm just passing through, baby. Like, I can't wait to get out of this big, awful world and go to heaven. I'm through. That actually misses the point. Like, I think that misses the point in which he put you on this earth. So maybe this will help. So, so Philippi was a Roman colony. So it's a Roman colony. Once it was established a colony, Roman soldiers, rather than going all the way back, they would simply stay there and set up these new lives. And you can read, they would say things like, we are citizens of Rome. Like, like, they're not saying we can't go back home. Colonies actually work the other way around. The task of a Roman citizen in Philippi was to bring Roman culture and rule. They wanted they wanted to expand their influence everywhere. That was their goal. So when you and I, when we say things like, we are citizens of heaven, like we don't just say, I can't wait to go there, though I'm a bit excited for it. We mean we have a mission. Like I'm citizen of heaven. Our mission is to bring heaven to earth. So what does that look like? You should, the Bible talks about the kingdom of God. It, it honestly gets kind of, kind of interesting. It's kind of confusing at times. But what does it look like? We pray the Lord's prayer. What does it look like for his kingdom to come? Like I think it's small things. I do think it's loving your neighbor. Like I think the, that looks a bit like the kingdom. I think caring for the poor, the widows and the orphans, that's a glimpse of the kingdom, living in others' first life. Fighting for justice, fighting for things that are worth fighting for, I think is a glimpse of the kingdom. Living generously in every way. Not, not just church, I'm talking about church stuff, I'm talking about at the restaurant, I'm talking about every, your neighbors, like to live in a, in a life that's generous. Serving sacrificially, Like, is there any part of your life, and I'm not talking about holding the door necessarily here, driving a golf cart, that's great. And I'm so thankful that you do that, watch kids. But is there anywhere you serve in your life that actually feels like a bit of a sacrifice? And I thought about this a lot when I wrote this. I thought about like, where am I serving in my life that feels sacrificial? Like, I'm not saying that God, he wants you to give your house when you be homeless. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, where does it feel a bit Sacrificial. Like, the, honey, honey, this is gonna hurt. Like, we're gonna give this because it's gonna hurt a little bit. We're not gonna be able to do this, why, this and this and this this week. It's gonna, like, I'm gonna feel a little bit. I think that's kingdom living. Practice hospitality, worshiping authentically. Really, it's anything and everything that looks like Jesus. I don't know that we're ever gonna bring heaven fully here on this earth, right? There was another school shooting this week. It's horrific, unthinkable. We live in a fallen world where sin abounds. We are not gonna create this heaven-like utopia while we're still here, but we will press on toward that goal. Like, that's the goal. I wanna press on toward that, influencing everything that we can, influencing everyone that we can, holding on to the promise that one day Jesus is coming again, and he will rule, and he will reign over all things. So when we say live for eternity, it doesn't mean we hide out in the Christian corner and wait till Jesus comes back. It means we consider we consider, like consider what it looks like for us to even have a sliver of eternity on on earth today. I just wonder what if, what if the church really took our job as the colony of heaven serious? Like if you really got your head wrapped around the fact that when we leave here, like my goal is to infiltrate. Like my goal literally is to sit by God, like literally to change and and affect everywhere I go. I just think it, I just think it. I think the Starbucks you stop at every day ought to be different because you come there. I just do. I think the 7-Eleven you stop at, like I think it ought to feel different because you're there. Not because you're great, because you bring Christ with you, the light of Christ with you. And so my mindset has got, and I got to work on this myself. I got to change my mindset to always think like, how do I influence everyone around me? Like wherever I go, I don't want to clock out when I leave this place like what does it look like what do I do how do I influence everyone everywhere I go because I think that's what it means for you to hold your citizenship in heaven that we come and we would try to infiltrate this earth that's why he's put you here he's put you here we've got to understand what matters we got to keep pressing forward and we have to live for eternity amen let's pray together father God we love you God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've called us to. It's a, big, it's a big task at hand. But, God, we're so confident in the calling in our lives, we can be confident in this task you've set before us. And so, God, help us. God, help us to understand what matters. God, maybe it's a self evaluation today. Maybe we just take a few minutes, even right now, like what really matters in my life? Like, what am I going to give my life to? The things that matter. Help me to love the things that you love. Help me to hate the things that you hate. God, help us to press forward. Keep pushing forward over and over. Help us not to be distracted. God, help me not to be distracted even by good things because they're not you. God, they're not great. God, and then help us to live for eternity. God, in a very real way, would you allow the things that don't matter just to kind of go over? God, the things that don't really have eternal significance, God, would you you just help them disappear in our own lives, God? God, would you help my worry? Would you help our worry, our anxiety, our frustrations about those things just disappear that we could focus on you and live the life that you've given us, God, the life that you've called us to? Just your head bowed and your eyes closed. I do want to say this. The reality is God, God put you on this earth with a purpose. Every one of you, there's a purpose for your life. And if you don't know the Lord, that may sound overwhelming, but you need me to hear you say, he loves you. He loves you. He has big plans for your life. Maybe if you were honest, you'd say the plans that are going, maybe you're successful, but you would say the, the real plans of my life, man, they're not, they're not working. Listen, because he has a plan for your life and it's to be his son or daughter. All the things we've talked about, they're for you too. They're for you too. And so maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. But man, today, man, you want to accept him as your Lord, as your Savior. Receive the grace of God. That's a grace like no one else can provide. So if you say that today, would you slip up your hand? Man, today's my day. Just quietly. Man, today, I want to follow after him. We're going to help you figure out what tomorrow looks like. But today's my day. Why don't we all pray this prayer out loud together? Pray this way, Father God. Thank you for saving me. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.